black shadow threatening the safety of peaceful worlds, an evil scientist who frightens children and is bent on slavery. A giant robot has seized a peaceful world and carried it off. Aloha's evil plan is to turn it into a huge private retreat for himself. Universal City Hall, here to help the people. Robic can do the job. Let's go, Robic. Jump and go. Welcome to another all-new episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey there. And Billy Holiday. Hello. This week we're going back to the PlayStation for Jumping Flash, a very, very early title on the system. But before we get to that game, I'm going to start with what I've been playing since last time because I made a big deal last episode that I was going to have my PlayStation 4 so that I could be playing... Dark Souls 3, and I was going to talk all about Dark Souls 3 and how great it is and how much I love my PlayStation 4. Well, unsurprisingly to both Jeremy and Billy, I'm about to announce I do not have a PS4. Oh, God. I, mm. I, I did not buy it. I uh, I was, I, I mean, I, I could buy it. I could just run out and grab it, but I wanted to do it without having a, a year's worth of a fight. So I, I kept trying to say, oh, look, I really need this PS4 for this reason and that reason, and, and none of those reasons were very good, but the the, the ultimate reason that meant I did not have a PS4 is that, again, my job is back in a position where I'm not sure how much longer I will have it. So until I know what's going on uh, with my job, I'm going to hold off on buying a PS4. But as an additional sign, I went to Target today, which is where I would buy that PS4 because it's right across the street, and they were out of Dark Souls 3 for PlayStation 4. So I wouldn't have had it anyway, so it was another reason not to buy it. I'm going to go with that as why I don't have it. But instead, I was able to actually focus on an old game and I already, I already told uh, Jeremy and Billy this, but I have now beaten a second game, two Dang episodes it. in a row. I finished Pandora's Tower for the Wii. I really, really liked it, actually. I have to say, if that was a game that came out without being part of uh, Operation Rainfall or having all the, I don't want to say it's promotional um, you know, push behind it, but there was definitely a lot of internet push behind that game coming out, so... Uh, it, it did get some notice when it came out, but I think it would have been one of those unknown gems. It's it's really, really good, but when you first play it, you're kind of like, yep, I've played a million games like this. It's a lot like Zelda, but not quite as good, but uh, the bosses are way better than most of the stuff in Zelda. They, I think they're very inventive. Uh, I enjoyed it very much, uh, and then I started playing Persona 4 again because I hate free time. Apparently. Yeah. My only goal for this playthrough is not to date the band girl. So I figure I only have to go so far before I've met my goal for Persona 4. But actually, <laughs> you know, after playing all these other role-playing games, I realized Persona 4 may be my favorite role-playing game of the last maybe 15 years. I love everything about it. It's a little goofy uh, at first, especially when you're just doing the, the, the long parts where you're essentially just hanging out with high school kids. But the actual system to the game and the other, uh, the way you... you you build up your your personas. I think that's the most interesting RPG system I, I've used in a long time, and it, and it just hits all my buttons for collecting things and and powering things up. I, I'm a big fan, so I'm playing through that again. And I've already put in like 20 hours on this playthrough, and I started it since last episode. I'm really surprised you just didn't go out and, and start hunting down Persona Three because it's pretty similar similar to, to Persona Four. The only thing I've heard about Persona Three that made me hold up on it was that you'd never get to control all the other characters like in persona 4 you can they they automated setting is for for all the other characters but yourself to be automatically run by the computer but you can change that and i do that immediately i don't like having you know characters i don't control in my team uh, and apparently you can't change that in persona 3 i don't know if that would be a deal breaker but it definitely makes some of the boss fights uh, i would find almost impossible if i couldn't control what they were all doing it's been so long since I played that game. I, I really thought I could control my other people, but I don't know. I but it's still a great game. You, if you like Persona Four, you should definitely check out Persona Three at some point. I, I will have to find a copy, or, or I think it's probably on PlayStation Network, but I'll find it somewhere and I will play it, and it will be amazing. Whenever I get that PS Four, six months from now. So, what have you been playing, Jeremy? Oh God, I don't know. I forgot to even think about this. <laughs> um, well, Jesus. I never ask it, so I understand not being ready with an answer. But I, did you guys get Dark Souls 3, either of you? I did not. Uh, the only thing that, that entertained me more than, than the thought of actually owning that is, is you just going to that target every day and, like, staring longingly at, at the glass, just 
hoping that you can get this PlayStation 4, but um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to really lie, I've done it. That you weren't <laughs> able to get Dark Souls 3 at this point as much as you were looking forward to it. I will have it. I mean, there, there's no maybe on it. I will have it. There's just a, a slight snag with my employment situation that I will know this week whether or not I still have a job. So at that the end of this week, All I right. may have it. We'll see. We'll see uh, uh, what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I say that every week, and every week somehow that job gets worse. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> all right. Um, no, I, actually, I really haven't been playing anything at all. I the last couple of weeks, I've I, I've really been busy with uh, with work and and getting uh, some of the some more stuff done for the site because I've really been kind of uh, not doing as as many videos as I had been. And since we're approaching quickly approaching the one year anniversary of actually doing this thing. Uh, I've been I've been trying to get some stuff together, so I haven't had too much time to play play games. I guess I've been kind of messing around with the division a little bit, uh, still trying to get up to, to level thirty when I got some time. I know Billy maxed out uh, a w- couple of weeks ago, but I am still trying to get through that when I've got a few minutes. Uh, that game is extremely repetitive. I, I do enjoy me extremely uh, a good extreme repetitive game mm-hmm. where you're just doing the same thing over and over again. A lot of people don't like that, but I genuinely love doing games like that. It doesn't bother me. Well, but, I think I think I think especially when it's as well done as the division is. It, it doesn't seem like a grind or a chore at any point in time. No, it doesn't. And I love the the environment and everything about it. I love kind of exploring and, and getting around uh, New York City and, and seeing what's around the corner, which is not surprisingly just more buildings. But it still looks really good. And and I've always my entire time playing that. I just really love walking around that city. Uh, it's uh, I love New York City. I just don't ever want to be in New York City. So this is the perfect solution for me, uh, just playing a video game with a very well-rendered version of uh, Manhattan to walk around in. Uh, besides that, no, I, I really haven't been playing much at all. I've been kind of focusing on doing stuff for a website and a YouTube channel that no one watches. So... That is uh, that is my my time spent. Well, I think I think we could say the same thing for the podcast. I think we have seven True. listeners, but I these know. seven people seem to listen every episode. So I'm very appreciative of all seven of you. Uh, Billy, what have you been doing since last time? I'll tell you, not too awful much. I, I've uh, I guess it's just work. I, by the time I get home, I'm just kind of I sit down with every intention of playing something. I've got a controller in my hand, and next thing you know, I have apparently been dozing off over the last hour or so. Uh, this has happened to me most nights. I've pulled a couple of twenty-hour uh, shifts over the last two weeks, so I am—I've been down and out, and just haven't had the motivation really to play anything. But I, I reach points like that where I pop one game in, I play a few minutes, like mm, I don't want to play this. Uh, I pop another one in, I do the same thing over and over until I decide maybe I just want to watch a movie instead. And I spent most of my two weeks like that. I, I mean, I played the game that we are are reviewing here probably more than anything else. But I uh, I picked up, and I had been meaning to buy this uh, for the Xbox One, uh, but it actually uh, popped up as one of the free games for this month, was that Sunset Overdrive, which I didn't know. I got It seemed like it got kind of mixed reviews, and I didn't know if it was one of those style-over-substance type games. But I've been playing that, and it's it's, it's good fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And there was another random free game on the xbox one lords of the fallen which is it seems to be uh dark souls-esque i can only imagine that's why they released it this month uh it's it's very similar uh, in style i played that a little bit here and there uh and yeah i've just been uh, roaming around on the division they've uh, recently added a few things and i even hopped back on that destiny not too long ago <laughs> yeah i actually did too i I played a little bit of that update, but oh, I haven't really delved into it too far. It's it's so exciting. I, I, I've never been more excited by a game updating with, with such a minor, minor things. I immediately got on there, opened a package up, and now I have some, uh, some, I guess, uh, kind of armor uh, to wear to wear a, you know an arm shoulder type piece, and it glows red. And I was so thrilled <laughs> by the by this. <laughs> the fact that this armor glows red now, uh, that I wore that thing around. Uh, yeah, I mean, they've added just enough stuff, uh, just enough to really sucker me in. Uh, 
my level, light level, which after you reach the max level is, is how you level up after that. Finally moved up by one. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's, that's about four or five months in the making. I was very thrilled with that, but I decided I better quit while I was ahead of myself. Uh, so yeah, but I have played a, a ton of the game we're reviewing tonight. Well, I did. I forgot one more thing I've been playing. Uh, I was able to turn in a thousand my Nintendo points for playing so much <laughs> Miitomo. And I, I have the Twilight Princess Zelda Picross game on my yes. 3DS. I'd never played Picross before. Uh, oh. I mean, I tried it at some point because it wasn't like a, a totally alien game to me, but I had never really spent a lot of time on it. But I'm really enjoying that. But that's that's kind of like a good bathroom game. So I, I didn't want. <laughs> there's not a whole lot to talk about. It's a good version of Picross, I suppose, uh, with with Zelda music playing in the background, and that's uh, that's pretty much it. But hey, for free uh, to just play Mitomo for a couple hours total, uh, not a bad deal. Oh, of course, it goes without saying. We've all have been playing Mitomo. Non-stop over the last couple of weeks. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> this podcast it, it continues to be bewildering fun, and I just don't quite understand why, because of how little there is to do in that stupid little app. Uh, I actually need to re-download it, because I had to reformat my phone last week after it decided to just stop working for some reason. And uh, I, I need to download that, that game again, because I've, I've been getting those urges to get on there and answer some questions and mm-hmm. ask me if what my favorite jelly is or something. <laughs> yeah, I can't go to bed without telling you what my favorite jelly is. It needs to know these things. Somebody's got to know. I haven't, I've never told anybody these things. So this stupid app hopefully can spread, uh, spread the things that I love long after I'm gone. It's helping with my social anxiety disorder. It, it really is. Uh, you know, you can't just go out to a restaurant and, and, and sit down. And nobody just looks at you and says, like, hey, what, what's your favorite fruit? What's your favorite color? How many people do you expect to date? But Mitomo yeah. does that yeah. for you. It scratches that itch of asking the most insanely awkward questions just right out of the blue. And I, and, I, uh, and I just can't wear a ninja sword into any restaurant either. That's true. I, I could not wear a giant Tyrannosaurus head into most places in public without being escorted away or something. Well... Thankfully, we did all have time, and things seems like we're all very busy this week, but we did have time to play this week's game, Jumping Flash, for the Sony PlayStation. Jumping Flash. This was uh, this is one that I had really, really pushed for, and as excited as I was about it, and the fact that I have clocked hours into this game uh, when I was younger, I never owned nor rented this game. I believe uh, from our conversation before we started, everyone's familiar with that that demo disc that came uh, with the early PlayStation consoles, and I had Jumping Flash on there, and I played that thing endlessly. It gives you one level. Uh, from what I can recall, and and I loved it. I really loved that. I probably played it more than anything I owned for the console for quite some time, but I could never find it anywhere to rent. Uh, and it's another one of those bizarre things. I couldn't find it anywhere to rent nor buy uh, at any point in time, and I just kind of forgot about it over the years until recently. Well, yeah, I'd, I had thought it was a launch title for the PlayStation 1. Uh, but then doing my five seconds of research for the podcast, I found out it is not a launch title. It was that demo. The PlayStation Picks demo that came with the first uh, shipments of PlayStations had uh, playable versions of ESPN, Extreme Sports, uh, Toshinden, uh, Wipeout, I think, and and then Jumping Flash. Now, the other three games, Wipeout wasn't out at launch either, but it came out shortly after uh, and was pretty awesome. So that was a good demo to have. Jumping Flash was definitely the oddball game on there. It was not... It, it's not a visually pleasing game as far as if you look at a still shot of the game, you're like, oh, great. It's one of those early 3D all polygon kind of boxy games. Not that interesting to look at 
in that in that aspect on a still shot it really isn't um but but actually playing it 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 was not like anything i'd ever played up to that time really i mean it was it, it, you know you have to remember that this is before uh, Super Mario 64 because the N64 wasn't out yet. It was before a lot of the really fully 3D games that we've come, you know, become used to. So to have a game where where there is not just uh, a 3D going back and forth like Doom, but like a, a fully uh, a height depth that you had to worry about at all times that you really could feel like you were way above the the action most of the time and and could had to fall down on things. I, I don't know. I thought it was it was pretty great. I I do remember the demo and that's why I thought it was a launch game, but. I, yeah, you're right. I probably played that demo an easy hundred times. My experience was uh, before the PlayStation launched, the media play that is that was next to where we used to live had that demo disc running at a PlayStation kiosk. And anytime we went to that media play, I would instantly go to that that kiosk uh, to to play one of those demos. And I actually spent most of my time with the other games because I didn't know what Jumping Flash was. And I had a limited amount of time before my dad came trying to find me and get me out of the store. But I played Jumping Flash uh, one time just to see what it was. And it was amazing. I mean, it looks like shit now. But back then, uh, actually having a, um, a, a giant level, a 3D level that you could jump around in and, you know, maneuver around. And it was amazing. And I find I quickly discovered that you could jump really high up onto these platforms. And I got to a pretty, pretty high up platform and did this jump off of it. And whenever you jump in Jumping Flash, it, once you reach your apex, the camera looks down so you can see what you're going to jump onto. And when it did that, I almost threw up because I'm scared of heights anyway. And that was so convincing to me as a stupid child that I just about lost it right in the middle of media play and upchucked all over that <laughs> stupid kiosk. And at that point, I knew I had to have the game at some point, and eventually I did. But that was my first experience. Well, when it came out, uh, I, was, I had worked at the Electronics Boutique during the PlayStation launch. That was my first year there. Uh, to date myself, I graduated high school in 1995, and I started working immediately at Electronics Boutique. Uh, not, I didn't graduate high school, and that was what I was going to do in life, but that's just the job I happened to get. And I worked there for quite a long time, but the, the first major launch I was there for uh, was the Saturn and then the PlayStation. And when this game came out, you know, we may have gotten two copies of it, maybe three, and, and I know that we sold some of them, but it didn't. It wasn't a big seller. It didn't fly off the shelves. I don't remember that anyone I knew owned it. Uh, it wasn't until it showed up as a, a, a PS1 classic on the uh, the PlayStation Network that I was able to finally pick this up and play it, which is how I played it for this this review. Um, it was probably the first game that looked like it was for kids on the PlayStation. The PlayStation Launch Library was heavy in sports. It was heavy in, it had a, you know, a, a Toshinden was one of their launch titles. They had a lot of games that were supposed to be targeted at, at older kids and, and young adults. You know, people that, that they thought, that's the PlayStation's a serious system for adults and, and, and older people. It's not a system for kids. So this was the first game that actually came out that was really looked like a kid's game, and I think that's why nobody bought it. I, it's very Japanese, obviously. When, as soon as you look at it, you can tell this is from Japan. And, you know, Japan wasn't trying to do the whole super edgy PlayStation kind of stuff. You know, they, they were definitely not Red E, if, if anybody gets that. But, you know, it was refreshing to see what, it, what it's like um, from coming from like the 16-bit uh, consoles that we were playing on because all of those games were mostly just Japanese you know, I was kind of used to that, uh, the setting and the, the design characters and the wackiness that, that Japanese games have. So seeing Jumping Flash, I was like, yes, this is what I want from the PlayStation. You know, this is how I want games to look. I want the kind of nice, uh, colorful, fun games that are just wacky. And there really wasn't any. Jumping Flash was one of the, God, I guess one of the only one for a long time. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, uh, Pretty much that's the only kind of experience with a game of that sort you had on the PlayStation for, I mean, for, for quite some time. Because, yeah, they, they tried real hard there at the at the beginning for that, that serious push. And I think that's why I took the Jumping Flash so much. Like Jeremy said, it was uh, it was more accustomed to, to what I was used to with some of those, you know, those really just completely Japanese off-the-wall, 
you know, Nintendo, Super Nintendo games you would get. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a long time before the PlayStation kind of, you know, loosened up just a little bit. I guess if, since we didn't really explain the game too well, uh, other than saying that it was you know a game where you jump really high and, and it was a 3D platformer, but uh, it's it. first person. So unlike a game like Super Mario 64 that would come out later, where you'd see Mario behind you most of the time, and it would be 3D environment, but you would still see your character in front of you, this is one where it's, it's a first person platformer, but in full 3D. I'd never played anything quite like it. it like if, if Doom or Quake, again, those are all first-person action games, and they did have some jumping and some depth to, to Quake, but it wasn't the same thing. Like the, the platforming was not the point in either of those games. This, is, this was a much slower game, uh, but it was definitely based a lot more on, you know, what could you jump to? How high can you jump and get to certain platforms you need to to, to, to get to the objectives of the level? Uh, the game is, is six worlds long. Each world has three levels. And the first two levels of each world are open world platform sections um, where you're supposed to find four jet pods. Uh, you, you collect all the jet pods and you find the exit afterwards and you go to the next level. It's, it's more about, I mean, there are enemies in the level, but it's not as much about avoiding enemies as it is finding the right platforms to jump on to get to the platforms you need to get the jet pods on. Uh, but it's again, it's all done in first-person 3D, so you can only see so far, and you don't see where the jet pods are. Like, there will be a little symbol on the screen that says, oh, jet pod here, but only when you're so close to it. So a lot of it is exploring this fairly large, at that time massively large, uh, 3D area to jump around in. I mean, now you you, know, you play a game like Grand Theft Auto 4 or, uh, or 5, any of those those games with a giant world map, and, and this doesn't seem big at all, but... But this game at the time, to consider it to go anywhere you want on the screen, uh, you know, jump as high as you can get to, it, it was open and, and pretty incredibly large for the time. So it was a lot of, of exploring every, every corner of the map to find these jet pods. I yeah, really like that. And Yeah, I mean, uh, the levels really, when you, when you come back and look at them now, uh, in terms of the, the length of them, the width, they're not the biggest levels, but these levels really stack up. I mean, these are some tall levels, and that's just something... Uh, before this game, you had just you had never encountered, and I want to pay this game one big compliment uh, as a in the, as a first person game. You can actually see your character's feet, which which was so refreshing to me because it seems like nowadays first person games, uh, I'm, I just think it's lazy that you can't. When you look down, you know there's nothing there. On this one, I mean, it gives you a good sense of space. Uh, gives and yeah, this game I, I was blown away from it. and playing it now i still was that that a game like this that offered you this much kind of freedom to get around was was out all that time ago because there wasn't really in terms of you know running and and something focused on first person running and platforming i think probably mirror's edge which was a i mean fairly recent title is is you know the next time they even tried anything like that it's really weird I mean, the game, it, back when the PlayStation launched, if there were any first-person shooters, uh, like we said, they were very self-serious, you know, sci-fi uh, kind of stuff. Uh, putting out there like a, a platformer that this is, it is a just a complete platformer. It was really weird, and uh, I, none of us had really played anything like that. As I never did anyway. This, this was my first experience with a 3D platform game where you had total freedom, freedom of movement and go anywhere you want. And I'm amazed that it's still, it's still as fun as it is today. Because if anyone has played a lot of PlayStation games and come back to play them now, they are terrible. Like, they just they don't hold up at all. As amazing as Toshinden was when we played it back in the day, playing it now is yeah. it's awful. Uh, and that goes for, I'd say, a good majority of, of those old PlayStation games. But for as early as Jumping Flash was, 
and how much fun it still is, I, I think it speaks volumes for just how well it was designed. Yeah, this is a game where I, I can say I genuinely had a good time. I had a lot of fun playing this game. And, and you know, there are games I, I like playing through now, but I can't say I really have fun with them. I get through them. You know, you're stressed out the entire time because the games are so bleak, uh, you know, and so so serious now. And, you know, and sometimes it's just the sheer difficulty. You're struggling to get through the game. But, but this is one I just kind of was able to relax and play through and i have to say that the difficulty mm, probably a little too far on the easy end but yeah this was one you can just have a, a real good time with well yeah the difficulty is i wouldn't say it's an issue because i don't think their goal was to make a game that was necessarily no. hard because i think they wanted you to see everything i think the yeah. goal was to to make a game that you didn't feel uh even that rushed i mean there's a time limit on the levels but it's a 10 minute time limit in the first the first playthrough and I can't imagine in any of those levels going even close to running out of time. I, I mean, I didn't even pay attention to the clocks at all, and I never was even close to out of time. I mean, I don't believe there any of those levels could have uh, could have used a time constraint and made it a big deal. It really did seem like it was just to stop you from doing, I don't know, just dicking around, I guess, but or at least give you some kind of goal. Uh, but what I liked was, you know, a lot of you know a lot of those 3D world games now are considered sandbox games, and I think this is a, a good ex, a good version of that that kind of game where it's not about making it difficult and giving you all these ridiculous little tasks to do it's just here here's a big open world you got to find these four things but other than that have fun and i I like that i did enjoy it there was i mean it's a very short game i don't think anyone would have spent if you really just sat down and just tried to find all the jet pods and get to the next level you, you probably could beat this game in maybe 45 minutes i mean it's not a long game and that might be taking your time you might be able to to plow through this thing in 20 minutes it's incredibly short i get six six worlds with three levels each and and the last level of each world is a a boss which we, we can get to the bosses in a minute they probably aren't the the best part of this game by any means but the levels where you explore generally are you know it's just fun i just enjoyed just again trying to jump around and see where you can get to and the music the whole time is like this almost happy carnival music but not annoying something yeah. about it worked perfectly it's 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 upbeat and it's i'm sure i'm gonna play a bunch of clips of it because i that was the first thing when i turned it on i was like oh i remember the music of this game how great is this and it, it, it at no point did i get annoyed by it yeah it's just I mean, got some good good video game music yeah yeah i mean and it it, it comes close to that line uh, I think if if you if you just heard a brief clip, you're like, oh, that's going to get you know that's going to get old. That's going to get annoying after a while. Uh, but it never does. Uh, yeah, I think it's because just the game it is attached to is so much of a joy to play. However, it's an excellent game for jumping around and platforming. But in some stages, they take that away, and yeah. for the most part, and this becomes almost a strict uh, first person shooter. Uh, in, in tight corridors, and I got to tell you, it goes from fun and you know the thrill of exploring to just wanting to get that level over with. Yeah, yeah the, thank God those are. There's not too many of those levels in the game. No, they're uh, few and far between. Yeah, but still, as soon as they show up, oh man, they are terrible. I, I don't understand why they wanted to put those in there. I mean, because they are just a straight up first-person shooter maze yeah. and they're not good mazes they and it's not fun to to fight you know obviously combat in this game is not the the main attraction here it's it's very much just shoot your the bullets at something and, and it dies in a couple of hits nothing is trying overly hard to kill you in this game so once you strip away the thing that this game does amazingly well which is the the platforming all over these you know amazing stages then you've got a hell of a it is just so boring and and just not fun at all. It's it's jumping flash, and there are yeah. levels where you literally cannot jump. jump. Yeah, it's only two levels, I believe, and the the second one not as bad as the first, but that first non jumping maze level, which is level two two, mm-hmm. is is the point where even though I I mean I did love playing this game and I was going to get through that, I got to that level and I was like, oh, if there's a lot of these, I may not finish this game because <laughs> it was yeah, really yeah. it's not enjoyable. Your character. Um, you know, one it, when you're jumping, your control is good. You know, the, the control to actually jump up high and, and land where you want to land is is fairly good. But when you're in those tight corridors, that's when you feel like you're moving this just a box. You feel like you're pushing a box through through a bunch of corridors. You don't turn well. You don't angle well. It's really hard to aim at things. You can't dodge because you don't strafe. 
You just you literally just have to like try to back up slowly. I mean, try to play a game like Doom with with no no ability to go you know to strafe left and right. You just have to turn and back up and go forward. I mean, it's it's not enjoyable. And so, you know, the 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 speed of this when you're when you're walking around is slow enough and awkward enough. And at least for me, a couple times, once I got hit. Or maybe it was when I tried to jump, or I don't know what it was, but it was almost like every time I walked, it would act like it was a little jump, and my character would look down at the ground as he was walking over and over again. Uh, so I couldn't even target things to shoot them when I needed to. Uh, but thankfully, much like every other level in the game, you can plow through those two levels in under two minutes. So if you can just get through the the terrible uh, you know, maze levels, which again, there's only two of them, and only the first of the two was that bad, uh, the rest of the game... I think is actually pretty fun, including the bosses, which are interesting looking most of the time, but generally not that inventive. No, they're, they're, yeah, they're interesting looking. I mean, they, they vary pretty wildly, but the technique in which you beat them uh, really does. Most of them you can get by by just jumping up high, bouncing off their head, shooting down at them, and just you know repeating that. I The bosses are, are next to the... the first-person stages is my least favorite part of the game. I mean, they they mix things up pretty well, um, and it's you know it's nice to have them, but they they don't really offer really any kind of challenge at all. So, I mean, it's it's cool that they're there, but I honestly would have rather just had a regular stage, another regular stage, than have to deal with one of these bosses. Well, I think that's that's kind of a a relic of the time. You have to assume a game like this is going to have bosses in it. Every platformer. You know, up to then had, even if it's not a boss you fight, you know, at the end of every Mario world, you have to somehow get by or, or find a way to get rid of uh, Koopa. You can't just go to the play four levels and be done. There has to be something. So I understood the need to have a boss. And again, I think a lot of this game, uh, well, I know part of the game was the tech demo anyway, but even just to flesh it out more, you want to show off what the system can do. This is an early game. So you want to have the bosses are fairly large compared to you. It's, it's kind of nice when you have the ability to jump so high to have a boss like there's a a boss that is some sort of like a giant genie or inflatable clown or something, but it's in a bunch of teacups, and the, the teacups will spin around the room, and meanwhile, like, one arm will come out of this thing or, or one head will come out of a teacup. And you're supposed to destroy all these teacups, but each part of the body you're trying to attack, you have to attack a slightly different way, although it's still a variant of just jumping as high as you can and shooting at it. But it was a neat-looking boss. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that it, if you were going to say on, you know, oh, look at what the system can do. It can manage all these things at once, and they're all unique, you know, pieces they all move independently and, and it's all over the screen and it's again i can see it as why you'd have bosses in this game to show off what you could do with bosses in another game but yes to actually play through the bosses even the last boss who is the most interesting of all of them uh i don't think i died on anything no and don't get me wrong i mean they're my least one of my least favorite part of the parts of the game but still when you saw them back in the day they were amazing you know i I, I was too shocked and, and just my jaw was dropped all over the floor by by even just this game as a whole. So, you know, back then I didn't care. But playing it today, that was that was one of the things I was like, man, these just these aren't really hard at all. <laughs> yeah, they are short, at least it's not it's not a game where you ping away at a boss for six hours and finally it goes down. I mean, you, you kill them pretty quickly, but you still get enough time to look at them and, and see them. to say, Yeah, that's kind of a cool boss and, and then move on. So after you finish the game, because it is a pretty short game, you'll go through all six worlds, um, you know, with or all six, yeah, all six worlds. After you beat the game, extra mode unlocks. Extra mode lets you play through the same exact levels, but all the objectives are moved around. Uh, so I only played through the first couple to see it, I, but I thought it was a neat, a neat additional bonus, kind of like a, a second quest on Zelda, but nowhere near as involved. But you get to play the game again. There's everything's hidden in a different spot. Sometimes there's different enemies added to the 
to the levels to make it more interesting, I guess. But uh, it's kind of a nice touch. And then if somehow if you can complete the entire game without continuing, uh, you earn Super Mode. Super Mode lets you jump. Normally you can jump three times high, which gets you to half the platforms, but not all. Uh, you can jump six times high as uh, in Super Mode, which I imagine probably yeah. gets it to the point where you jump so high that you can no longer see the ground. Yeah. yeah uh, which is pretty cool, though, because that I mean that that's what I liked about it. I felt like... Even playing it now, yes, it's not a pretty game to look at, but but because it's so basic and it's just polygons pretty much, and it's it's all just big flat items that you're or not flat, they're three dimensional, but it's it's three dimensions made of big boxes, you know, the the old kind of three D that it actually scales and moves very well. So it does feel like it has depth. It doesn't chunk up really bad when you jump super high and fall down, you know, towards the ground. I felt like it it actually felt like it could handle that depth piece. Very, very well. Better than a lot of games, actually, even current games. So I think it yeah. still plays very, very well. It just doesn't look, you know, the best. And again, those those tunnels are awful. But I think it it's one of the few PlayStation games uh, that are fully 3D that still hold up pretty well. Uh, a lot of the 3D games really did not hold up extremely well. Uh, it's You know, I, I'm a big role-playing game fan, and trying to play through the original versions of Final Fantasy 7 through 9 are... It's a chore. They're, they're not bad. Well, 8's a terrible game. But 7 and 9 are not bad games at all. 9's one of my favorite games. But when you, when you try to play it now, it, I mean, as opposed to playing Final Fantasy 6 or, or 4, which are definitely more primitive looking, but they still look way better than 7, 8, or 9. The, the polygon characters and the, the flat photo backgrounds, it, it did not age very well at all. And this, this seems to still hold up pretty good. I think because it's just a very simple, cartoonish-looking game. I mean, they're not trying to be all realistic and, uh, you know, crazy like stuff like Siphon Filter was, which, good God, if you look at that game now, it, it, you can barely look at it before you just have to claw your eyes out. But, you know, Jumping Flash, is it's a very simple game. The stages, you know, they don't try to do too much. They're all... You know, they're all fairly small within their limits uh, to where, you know, nothing is, is hidden in fog or, or anything like that too much. So it, it still holds up, and I wish more games like that on the, the, the PlayStation would have went for a more simple look because it, it really helps the game uh, the game's playability these days. Yeah, I, I think out of the early, uh, of course, this wasn't a launch, but it, it's, it's an early PlayStation title. This one probably has the most, or it's up there as far as longevity goes, as far as being able to pick it up uh, today. And yeah, and it's a shame, too, because... At the time, I recall playing a lot of excellent PlayStation games early on. You can go back and play Nintendo Fine today, Super Nintendo Fine, Genesis, you know, everything fine. But those early PlayStation games, they just, you know, I tried to, uh, I got the original PlayStation back out not too long ago. And I had, still had that Toshinden. (laughs) And I popped it in there. Oh, it's god awful because they're trying to be too realistic with it, I think is the trouble. And, and the people on there, you know, they look awful. Uh, and I've, I've had that trouble with a lot of games. Uh, that first Twisted Metal, even, is... Ooh. Yeah, it's rough. That one looks bad now, but... It's yeah, so I bad. mean, this, this still looks good. I Also, I don't think we have mentioned in this entire podcast that you are playing as a robot bunny with a rocket booster as a tail. That was another first for me. That was that was really interesting when I actually it, when you beat a stage, it zooms out, you know, and you can see your character and it kind of goes around the character. And uh, that was about the time that I as a kid, I was like, this game's weird. Like, I don't, what am I even playing? And I, I think that was um, this. This was one of the very first games that really uh, got me appreciated in the weird wackiness that that Japanese developers can bring to games. Maybe it's that I've just been doing this for too long in general and, and that I worked in, in a gaming store and saw all the stuff that came out on the, the later PlayStation and Saturn and, and PlayStation 2 where, where that kind of became the norm for a while. You know, I don't think anything now seems too, unless it's a, a bizarre dating sim, I don't find anything that comes out now too weird and too Japanese. I just, <laughs> that's just how it is. Like I said at the beginning, I'm playing Persona 4 again. That's the kind of game that if, you know, if I would have handed it to my 10-year-old self and said, here, play this game, I would have looked at myself and said, what are you playing, old man? This game is a weird Japanese dating sim where you're <laughs> in high school and then eventually you fight weird demons. What is wrong with you? Go outside more. Do something else. But but I think that this... Uh, the, the, I didn't think to bring it up because it just seems normal to me now. It was, it's like, yeah, yeah, of course you're a giant metal robot. Why, or metal rabbit. Why wouldn't you be? 
Yeah, I was sitting here just being like, you know, what if somebody's like hearing us talk about this and what are they even picturing this game to be? But yeah, you do. Uh, your character is uh, a jumping flash. He is a robot rabbit with a rocket booster and you go around shooting other weird animals that make no sense. You know, they, they kind of look like animals, but they don't. They just look like a, a weird fever dream that a developer had and, and drew it on a napkin. And, and there it was in the game. But it's a uh, it, it for the time. Uh, it was extremely strange because we didn't get a lot of that weird Japanese stuff back then for a long time. Uh, I don't think it really started until. I don't know. I, I think the next one I really remember was like Parappa the Rapper. That was I was like, oh, geez, this is crazy. Like this, I I never expect to play something like that on on a, my American PlayStation. But uh, Jumping Flash, yeah, it's it's definitely weird. And I just I wish there was more of that kind of game in the early PlayStation game days. Well, there was a sequel. There was Jumping Flash Two that came out. I had not played it, but apparently it's very similar to this. Uh, have any either of you played Jumping Flash Two? I, I owned it. Oh. I was one I think I was the second and only other person in America that bought <laughs> Jumping Flash 2 when it came out because I was such a huge fan of this one. And it is it is more of the same, but it actually ups the craziness more so than this one. Uh, if you thought this one was kind of weird playing it, then Jumping Flash 2 just jumps right off the edge with with the craziness. Uh it's basically a a giant a alien man I, he's incredibly fabulous looking and he is going around stealing planets and, uh, and that sets up the exact same uh, level progression as this one you go to six worlds each one has three planets uh, it continues to have uh, a few of the first person stages which are still terrible but for the most part the game just kind of seems like an add-on to this game besides the the weird and crazy story so if you like Jumping Flash 1, I highly suggest checking out Jumping Flash 2 because not only for the, the uh, extreme insanity of that story, and it is, it, it is crazy, uh, it's just more of the same, and it's a lot more polished than the first game as well. So definitely check that one out. Well, that's what I remember is it, does, it, it did look much cleaner than this. This, like I, you know, we've said, is not the prettiest game, but it, it moves very well, which is nice. Um, and then there actually was a, a third game that only came out in Japan uh, that wasn't even called Jumping Flash 3. I think it was called Robert Mondu is the name of that. I had to look that up just now. Uh, and that was another one that apparently they took the same level design, but instead of going through and trying to find the, the jet pods, it would be open worlds where you had different objectives. So it would be you know an open world where you had to you know find seven candy canes or whatever the... the the mission would be but it changed the missions up for each time and apparently it was not as popular uh, as the first two but one we never played and i think at some point i'd like to find it because i do like this game i think this game you know we, we've said it holds up really well i like that it's short i like that i was able to sit down with it for a couple hours and and really feel like i i got my fill of it but not that i was tired of it i'd play it again uh, in fact i did start playing the extra levels just to see and and i enjoy them even though it's the same map the fact that i had to find uh the items in other places you know i i want to play through it again there's not many games i can play back-to-back -back like that you know for for what it is i think it's the perfect length i mean if you added too much more to this it would just kind of get old after a while because it, it doesn't seem like it should be a very long game and the sequel is actually just a maybe a, a few minutes longer than this one so i appreciate the brevity of this one and i i you know I, i'm not going to complain too much about the, the how short it is or how easy it is because I just had fun playing it. I really still just have fun jumping around in all of those levels and, and find, getting to the, the objectives, uh, sometimes even just finding new ways to get to them because of how, of how open it is and how easy it is to jump around those stages. Yeah, and, and I can't agree more with what both of you said. And, you know, the bad in the game, those couple of, you know, the more first-person shooter-type levels, uh, you know, the, the lack of difficulty, the bad parts of it, they're not that bad you know the levels the boss fights are pretty the, you know the first person shooter levels boss fights they're pretty lackluster but they go by quick uh, you're left with a very very enjoyable game and whew, with the with the things we've been reviewing on here damn we needed this bad <laughs> it's, a, it's a palate cleanser <laughs> we've been we've been crawling through the desert and we finally got a swig of water 
I think actually the sadder part is that each of the games we review, except for Bayou Billy, is a game that <laughs> one of the three of us really likes, and the other two are like, well, clearly the other people on this podcast have horrible taste in games. But this one we could all agree, an excellent game, highly recommended. I, yeah. It aged pretty well. Uh, you know, like, un- unless you completely hate platformers, then I guess this would not be for you. But then you probably are also not listening to retro game podcasts. Yeah, and I would like to inform the the people that do listen to this. We all get really scared when we discover that all of us like a game. Yeah. Because then we honestly expect the what we have to say will be less than 10 minutes long for a podcast. So, um, but, hey, Jumping Flash is great. I, I don't care if this was a 10-minute long podcast or not. I just... I just want more people to know about Jumping Flash. Actually, we've managed to make this one last so far, almost 45 minutes. Uh, Oh. And and that's good. We actually had something positive to say about a game. I think we've all agreed it's an excellent choice with some minor flaws, but but still well worth checking out because it's not like much else out there. Um, we did not have a listener question that we chose to use for this week, uh, either because we did not have one or they were all, what does that mouth do? Uh, so we decided <laughs> instead, uh, you know, we, I thought this was a launch title. And, uh, and so I started doing some research into the, you know, make sure it was a launch title because I didn't want to say it was a launch title when it, in fact, was not. And it turns out it wasn't a launch title. It came out a couple months later, but it was that demo that it came with that led me to remember it as a launch title. So then I had to figure out what were the original PlayStation launch titles, and then it made me think about, you know, what what system launches was I actually excited about? I wasn't really old enough to, not that I didn't know about the, I mean, I remember when Nintendo came out, but, you know, at that point, video games were just like a thing, not really the thing. Uh, And then when Genesis and Super Nintendo came out, they were a big deal, but there was no internet. There wasn't, you know, I wasn't old enough to, to have a job or money or go get things on my own. So it was like, oh, I really want this thing I saw in this magazine and I'll beg for it. But it's not like by this era of video games, the Saturn, the PlayStation, the Nintendo 64 and, and beyond, you know, when systems came out, it was a huge deal. We did midnight launches at my store. Uh, I definitely got really into them. But but there were one or two that really stood out and, and were were, I don't want to say landmarks in my life because I'd like to pretend I have more going on than that, but I'm not going to pretend that on this podcast. So landmarks in my life. <laughs> the PlayStation was one of them because it was the first the first time I really was blown away by a system that I had never heard a thing about. I mean, I, you know, I knew about it from, from working that the system was coming and I had seen previews and it looked great, but it was, you know, at this point, if it wasn't Sega or Nintendo, uh, it was a failing system. And so the fact that Sony was going to put a system out, you know, you're like, oh, great. Well, you know, just like Philips with the CDI and, uh, you know, NEC with the TurboGrafx and all these other games that will come out, I think I'm just going to stick with with Sega and Nintendo. But the Saturn was so disappointing that when I f- saw the first handful of games on PlayStation, the big one being Toshinden that uh, Billy mentioned earlier, uh, my mind was blown. That game at the time looked incredible. It was the first fully 3D fast fighter I'd ever played. Virtual Fighter was out, but that was a much slower and, uh, and kind of technical fighter. This was... This was like lightning, and it and it it looked. I mean, comparatively, it was super fast at the time, and everything was super showy and flashy. I mean, Virtual Fighter was was probably a far better fighting game, but a lot of the time it was just blocking punches and kicks. You know, this was like, oh no, I there are all these super moves, and it does all these like little motion, little videos when you do certain things. I thought that was incredible at the time, Uh, and so that when the PlayStation came out. I was I was blown away, but then I looked at the titles and I can't remember any of these games aside from Toshinden, which we've talked about, and then the ports of things that were already existing games. They had a port of Rayman, they had a port of NBA Jam, uh, a port of a Raiden collection, uh, and then the ones I do remember, but was like, oh, that's why I don't remember these games. Street Fighter the movie was a launch title, uh, which is the <laughs> worst possible Street Fighter game. Uh, Total Eclipse Turbo, uh, which I had forgotten about completely because it's a 3DO game. Uh, and ESPN Extreme Games, which was one that was on the uh, the demo disc that I tried to I tried to watch a demo of the demo disc, you know, just a video of the demo disc to remember it. And uh, which, by the way, that video is incredible. It has the most '90s theme music you've ever heard. Uh, yeah. But but it uh, the ESPN Extreme Games, what a horrible game! It looked like kind of like a a really really digitized road rash clone but on rollerblades oh not good not good at all but there were i don't remember any of those games being good except for toshinden but i remember when the system came out it blew my mind how good it looked compared to everything else it was a big deal i mean one of the the big the the best things that sony did with the playstation launch was 
it got out there to every major store and put that stupid kiosk in them so that everyone could see Toshinden. And that was the one that was that seemed like it was always up and running. And if you ever found one of those kiosks without at least like four or five people standing around it just gawking at this horrible fighting game, you, you know, must it, the store must have been closed because it was extremely rare not to find a, a, just people crowding around it to see how good those games looked. And the Saturn was already out. So you would think, well, you know, the Saturn must be seeing, you know, the similar praise and people just going nuts on it. But Saturn looked those early Saturn games looked awful like you know panzer dragoon looked good but compared to like virtual fighter and that terrible port of daytona i mean compared to those launch playstation games saturn looked five years behind at that point it just nobody wanted to pay any attention to those games compared to the the nice looking super flashy pieces of shit that were on the playstation uh that was the big launch for me playstation was huge for me that uh that's the one i remember the most I didn't get it till Christmas, so it had already been out for a couple of months. And so I remember my first job, every time I would get paid, I would just go to the Target and buy whatever games they had available. So I ended up with that totally awful ESPN Extreme Games. Probably played it for way, way more than anyone should ever play ESPN Extreme Games. Uh, same with Toshinden. Uh, but there were some really, really good, uh, not launch titles, but they kind of came out really quick afterwards. I remember the, the port of doom for the PlayStation being amazing. Mm -hmm. I played Wipeout a lot. Wipeout is still to this day, one of my favorite racing games of all time. Uh, even that, that NFL, uh, game day for, uh, for the PlayStation, that was an amazing football game for the time. It was, you know, obviously wasn't Madden, but it looked amazing and it played really well. I'm, I'm not even a big fan of, of football games, but it was so much fun to play that game with other people. So I, I guess that one was mine, and I, you know, I didn't know if you guys were, were huge into the PlayStation launch either. No, I was. I, 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 I had followed it loosely, and launches, I guess I had never really thought much into, you know, what is, what's this system launching? What, I, you could have put anything out. You could have put the biggest pile of shit out with any console, and, and I still would have been geared up uh, to receive it. But yeah, it was around the PlayStation time that I really started to notice and, you know, the magazines were hyping up these games. And like like Jeremy said, everywhere you went, yeah, if I went to any department store in town, if I went a few miles down the road to the mall or another department store, that PlayStation kiosk was there. I don't know how much money they sank into making sure those things were in every hole in the wall in Virginia where I where I grew up. But yeah, job well done on that. But the launch I, I got the most excited about uh, in terms of a multitude of titles. You know, I always looked forward to when a new Nintendo system came, uh, the inevitable Mario game uh, that got either packaged with it, uh, was out at launch, or was coming shortly after. Uh, but the first real launch that I was excited for multiple games, oh, it was that Dreamcast launch. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah, uh, just I knew it came with House of the Dead 2, which I, I loved at the arcade, uh, and I couldn't wait to play at home. Uh, big light gun fan. I never actually got the light gun to play it with, but it still played so well with the controller. I knew they had Mortal Kombat Gold, which kind of brought together the first three. I was excited about Power Stone from what I had seen of it and you know the, the little uh, demo-type videos I had seen. Uh, and, and rightfully so was I excited about that one. And I was excited about Sonic Adventure, which I had absolutely no reason to be excited about, it seemed. And there are a couple other uh, you know, less popular titles. I was really geared up for Hydro Thunder. Uh, and I remember Blue Stinger was... <laughs> was I, I bought that one probably within my... I got my console and with the uh, at Christmas, and with some of the money I got for Christmas, I got that Blue Stinger oh. not too long after. And well, you know, I haven't looked back, and maybe I shouldn't look back. <laughs> I I enjoyed it at the time, but yeah, that uh oh, not to mention that you could get online with that Dreamcast. That, yeah, yeah, that, that was, was it. That yeah. was the launch for me. That was when I really started to pay attention and follow a console closely before it even came out. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, I, I was into the PlayStation, but again, at that point, I was working in a retail store, so I was living, eating, breathing, sleeping PlayStation. That's all I did all day. 
uh, I'd go to work and I'd sell people on it and I'd have to, since there were only a, a handful of new games, I pretty much played every new game when it came out for the first year of the system because I think by the end of the first year there were still only maybe 50 games total uh, and a lot of them weren't all that good. But uh, but I still thought of it as just like, yeah, that's what I, you know, that was that was my job at the time and, and I was into it but I wasn't in love with the PlayStation yet. It was, the Dreamcast was the one for me too that I don't know what it was about it. I, I don't know if it was, uh, I mean, Soul Calibur was definitely the launch title that, that got me to buy it, you know, day one. But it, it was a system that, for some reason, it just it it felt right. Uh, and that's why when it, you know, had its amazing, <laughs> tragic early demise as soon as the PlayStation 2 came out and blew it away, I was kind of depressed about that. And that was one of the reasons, actually, I stopped working in, <laughs> in game retail. Because <laughs> really? I felt awful. I, I mean, I left anyway because there's no money in it. But... <laughs> but th- that was beside the point. I didn't go somewhere where there was money in it till way later. But, uh, yeah, I-, I was all sold on the Dreamcast. It was the system. I was like, oh, I'm going to play this system, and I'm gonna. it's going to be the-, the next huge thing, and I loved it. And it was literally the day after it launched, we gave- we were given a whole bunch of promotional materials for the PlayStation 2, and the, the Dreamcast was pushed back in the back corner of the store, and we were not supposed to give it any window space or anything else. We were supposed to really tell everyone. We were supposed to call everyone who had pre-bought a Dreamcast and tell them to to go ahead and trade their Dreamcast in because we're going to have a much better system in five months or whatever. And I, I found that depressing because I really like my Dreamcast. I think Power Stone and Power Stone 2 are still two of the most fun games to ever be created. Oh, yeah. um, I think uh, Choo Choo Rocket, which was on uh, one of the games that was the first online playable game on the system, I believe, uh, w- was incredible. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of games on it that, that I think hold up really well still. Um, but, you know, things happen, and, and I clearly have a lot more PlayStation 2 games, and there are, there are probably better games on the PlayStation 2 than the Dreamcast. But something about that Dreamcast, it, it hit all the buttons at the right time. Where, like, I was, I, even though I, I was still working in game retail, and I, I shouldn't have been impressed by anything at that point, it, it was like I was in. I was in 100%. I, I had it launch day. I had my own copy. I was there at midnight selling systems, and I went home at 2 in the morning and plugged mine in immediately and kept, you know, went, didn't sleep that whole night. Loved it. Yeah, that, that Dreamcast launch. See, I wasn't, like, crazy about the launch because I had actually bought a, a Japanese Dreamcast system. So I had already had it for, you know, like a year or however long it, it took to come out in the U.S. So I could I could really see for the people that, that bought that Dreamcast at launch just how short a lifespan it had and, and just how kicked in the gut you would have had to feel for, for that thing to die as quick as it did, especially with just how many amazing games. That, you know... People think about uh, consoles dying today, you know, you attribute to just not enough games or bad games. The Dreamcast had dozens and dozens of just stunning, awesome games, and that thing still died within two years. It it just broke the heart of anybody that that really, really enjoyed games, and to see uh, especially a Sega system just bite the dust that hard and that fast, it, it took a while to get over for a lot of people. Well, Sega did it to themselves by by oh, putting yeah. out it the was... Saturn the way that it came out. It already had to convince the world, hey, you know what? We we've made some mistakes. We we put out that 32x. That was funny, right? And then we we put out that Sega Saturn that you guys spent eight hundred dollars on at launch. Yeah, sorry about that. But this new thing, this new thing's going to be it. We're going to do this right. And so, of course, they you know, Sony had already mastered the the art of this system is for you know true gamers. This system is for adults. This system is for for anyone who takes gaming seriously, that that system's for kids. And they, they did the same thing with Dreamcast. They came out and they said, yeah, that system's great, but check this thing out. It's like punching you in the face. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that was cool. That game punched me in the face. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and so, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. You know, even at the time, like, I was like, yeah, okay. I guess I shouldn't have assumed, like, this, game, this system was going to work. Oh, well, joke's on me. But still... Uh, it still hurt. It still hurt. I took it personally for whatever crazy reason, and uh, <laughs> and I decided to move on to something else. I, I agree. Uh, you wanted so bad. I don't know if it was an underdog. I mean, to say it's a reputable company, but it, but at that time, you know, they had had so many uh, negatives against them. My my beloved Sega CD. I can admit most people didn't care for the 32X, the Saturn. You wanted to see that comeback. You wanted you wanted to see that underdog story play out and yeah that was a man that's a tough play it it did i think jeremy p said it it felt like a personal failure i I can't believe blue stinger didn't take it to the promised land (laughs) well shit i mean if resident evil code veronica can't propel a system 
to survive, I don't know what can. I mean, that that came out pretty shortly after the Dreamcast launched in the U.S., and that was, like, one of the best Resident Evil games ever made, and it was only on Dreamcast. Yeah. I mean, it had a ton of really great exclusives on it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it was just kind of crazy. But I'm sure what everyone wants to know, Billy, how psyched were you for the end zone launch? <laughs> Oh man, how <laughs> did you go to the midnight launch? I, I didn't make it. I did quite. <laughs> you know, when I got there and I saw the line, I said, "I want. I got to get in bed tonight. I, I can't stick around for this." And you know what? I just completely forgot, and I never managed to go back. <laughs> well, at least at least all those in both the PlayStation and I mean, even though the PlayStation launched with eight to ten games, you know. Compared to other systems at the time, the Saturn came out with six, and they didn't get two more until almost four months later. And, uh, and the Nintendo 64, if you guys remember, came out with two games. They only had two games for the longest time. They had yeah, Super Mario right. 64 and Pilotwing 64. And then that was it for, for months, and that was all it needed. I mean, those two games really? took yeah. that system and launched it. In, you know, I mean, it, it never beat the PlayStation as far as sales went, but it, it crushed everything else, and it, it was... I mean, it's hard to believe two games as a, at a launch was acceptable, but it totally worked. Well, when one of them is literally like one of the best games ever made, I, I guess you don't need too much more for a while. Like that, Mario sixty four kept people busy for a long, long time. And even when I bought my Nintendo sixty four, it wasn't at launch. It was you know I think it was about a year later or something when I finally had the money to get it. I, I sat and I sat and played Mario 64 exclusively. I think for about two or three months, even though there was a, a large library or a decently large library of games that, out then. Uh, that was one. It, it was hell. Of, it was, yeah, it was a terrible amount of games to have for the launch of any system. But when you got Mario 64, you you, you don't really need too much else for a while. No, and I mean I I got I got the 64 at launch. Uh, and I never picked up Pilot Wings. I didn't pick up another game for a while. Yeah, that Mario 64, uh, still to this day, infinitely replayable. I mean, and there's a reason when you get all the stars and you've pretty much done everything there is to do, you can fire up on that the top of the castle and get all those lives. I mean, they know you <laughs> still. You're hooked. They know they've got you. They know, yes, you've accomplished everything there is, but for some reason, you're probably about halfway through the lifetime you're going to spend on this game. you got at least another couple hundred hours to go. And with the Saturn, I mean, just keeping with the theme of Sega is dumb as hell and didn't know how to run a company, uh, the Saturn came out early. Like, it wasn't supposed to actually launch, and a lot of people didn't know it was going to launch. And then I guess they announced at E3 that it was, uh, it was out. It was just out that day. And Toys R Us was the exclusive uh, retailer that had it. You could go out and you could buy one, but it came with, you know, only they only had six games at launch and, and nothing else was ready for months after when when it was actually supposed to launch later. Well, it was only four retailers. It wasn't just Toys R Us. They were the biggest oh, retailer because okay. it wasn't Electronics Boutique. It was in Babbage's and it was in uh, one of the chains that wasn't anywhere near me in, in Maryland at the time. Um, but so all the other big box retailers that at that time were not considered to be important just basically said, well, and I guess we're never going to carry it. And so there were plenty of stores that never, like KB Toys, never carried the Saturn. Uh, even once it was open for everybody to carry, they said, no, if we weren't important enough to get it on the front of this, we don't want it. No thanks. Well, I that's, mean, that's what happens when you <laughs> piss off your, your main retail chains of, of the people that sell your stuff. And just another example of why Sega just kept shooting itself in, in its own foot over and over again. Well, next week, we're going to go back farther than the PlayStation. Uh, we're going to go back to the Super Nintendo. We haven't been there in quite a while. Uh, for the classic uh, Ghoul Patrol, a game I've never yeah. played, uh, but the sequel to Zombies Ate My Neighbors, which I have played. Uh, yeah. Um, this one's been a long time coming for me because I absolutely hate this game. Zombies Ate My Neighbors is one of my favorite games of all time. So I've got a lot to say about this this game and, and just how empty and how unfun it is to me so looking forward to seeing what you guys I think i wonder what he's uh, gonna I hope think I'm of the game <laughs> <laughs> wonder what jerry thinks of the game well yeah. if you have not played zombies ate my neighbors there is a full video review of it on uh, on retrovania.net so please check it out uh so you get yourself pre-game for the next show in two weeks don't uh, play ghoul patrol 
Uh, so yeah, check us out on retrovania.net and send us some questions. If you have any listener questions, we do like to answer them so we don't talk about system launches for 20 minutes. And we will see you in two weeks. So Aloha's evil plan is thwarted, the cratered planet is rescued, and the first chapter of our story draws to a close. The people are free to live in peace. Now our time is up. So long, everyone. Bye.